Welcome, business aficionados, to a very special edition of a shot of Business Central and a beer. It's that time of year again, and uh, we're here to spread some holiday cheer. So on episode 56, we're thrilled to have the insightful Mr. Jim Geo from Triangle Package Machinery Company uh, joining us for our annual holiday extravaganza. And we've also got Kim Simios from Solution Systems sitting in once again. I think this is attending her second podcast. So as we unwrap the latest gifts from Business Central World, we're also going to be diving into the freshest Microsoft AI news, uh, exploring some cutting edge developments that are shaping the future with AI. And to top it all off, uh, we've got a sophisticated drink for our taste buds. We've got a great blend of cognac with eggnog. So everybody grab your glasses, settle in, and let's toast to uh, happy holidays and a, and, a, and a good podcast. Happy holidays, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. So welcome, Jim and Kim. How's everybody doing? Jim and Kim. Jim and Kay. Everybody doing great. Good. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. Thanks for having us. Anytime. We're thrilled you guys could be back. <laughs> All right. So I guess we'll start off by talking about a little bit about what uh, what we're drinking. Uh, as mentioned earlier, we're drinking, you know, cognac with with eggnog and specifically Clark and Sheffield XO cognac. Anybody know anything about it? Cognac or eggnog? Specifically Clark and Sheffield cognac. Oh, don't know anything about oh. I know a little bit about cognac. All right. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Clark and Sheffield first. So basically what it is, is it's a product that is owned by Benny's and it's named after where they had their first store at Clark and Sheffield mm -hmm. roads. And that's how they got the name. The XO means uh, that it's extra old when you're talking for cognac and it's aged for at least 10 years. So what do you know about cognac, Ken? A cognac is a, I, I knew, I knew nothing about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> what is cognac? I don't know. Wow. Right. Well, it's a type of brandy. And then, so what's your next what? question? Why is it? A what's brandy? brandy? Right. Yeah. Well, brandy is a liquor produced from distilled wine. So what makes cognac cognac is that it's the type of brandy that's generally made in the area of cognac, France. Gotcha. So easy enough. Right. And it is produced by twice distilling wine made from grapes uh, grown in that kind of general region. Did you know cognac was a form of wine before you, you researched? No, it? I didn't know. What, I didn't know what made brandy brandy or cognac cognac. What about you guys? Do you guys have any idea that no. cognac is a form of wine? I had no idea. I'm not a hard liquor person. Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're taking the cognac. And seems kind of weird now knowing that it's a wine and mixing it with eggnog, right? It just it, 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 I don't know. Just well, I also saw like eggnog, uh, spiked eggnog, I guess we'd call it, mm -hmm. is uh, also sometimes made with sherry or rum as well. Rum, I can see. Sherry's, yeah. So, Ken or anybody, does eggnog really have eggs in it? Yes, it does. It does. Yeah. Raw eggs. <laughs> Eggs, sugar, and milk, right? Or cream? Yeah, yeah. Guess, depending on your your health status. I think there's yeah. I think there's a drink, isn't there? A drink called egg creams, which is like eggnog, but I think it's not made actually with eggs. Yeah, I think so. But but this is pretty tasty with a little uh, sprinkle of nutmeg on top, little cinnamon yeah. stick in there. This I, is I could put back more than a few of these. It's like a dessert noticing it. Yeah, right, kind of. You gotta be a lover of eggnog. Well, not a lover, but you gotta be a fan of eggnog. I like it. I like these uh these little like little tidbit like uh um you know trivia type things like when I'm reading up about uh cognac or brandy and you know and like I love this like in the 19th century brandy was used as a medical treatment. Oh for what? of course it was right well, all alcohol was um <laughs> oh, to wipe off wounds and stuff. Well it was also European explorers. Um, uh, they 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 said that moderate doses of brandy might help a traveler who was like an explorer, you know, cope with fever, depression, and stress. Cope being the key word, right? So we're going to get you drunk enough right. where the fever and depression and stress doesn't bother to you. Cope with the fever, yeah, yeah. the depression doesn't, doesn't get rid of it. <laughs> 
I guess it makes sense. I mean, yeah. it wouldn't be the first time someone said they're stressed out, so they're going to have a drink. Oh, yeah. They hit the right? bottle all the time. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know. All right. So you like little interesting tidbits. As you know, for cognac, the distillation season, God, I can't talk. Anyway, it runs from October 1st to March 31st only, giving distillers five months to produce cognac. Because hmm. of, of the grapes or the wine? The, I have absolutely no idea. They're using? I do not know. Or wine, I guess. Twice <laughs> distilled wine. So they've got alcohol, and then they distill the alcohol. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. This should be your second favorite drink behind wine then, Jim. Cognac. <laughs> no, you don't drink a lot of cognac? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, this one is. I'm thinking uh, it's more raw format. I'm just being wine. <laughs> so this is forty uh, percent, so eighty proof, mm. uh, pretty strong. So typically thirty-five to sixty percent alcohol. So it could be strong. Some cognacs could be one hundred and twenty proof. Yeah. That's why your hair is standing up. So is it? Can you see it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So let's move on then. Let's talk. Uh, get a little bit into. Uh, our special guest that's here with with Jim Geo, and he can kind of, you know, maybe for the readers who who are readers, maybe for the listeners who haven't listened to the the previous episodes, maybe you can give them a little bit of background on, uh, you know, who you are, what you do, that type of thing. Perfect. So, well, thanks again for having me back. It's getting to be a nice uh, Christmas tradition. Uh, Absolutely, you're doing this. So, uh. So my name is Jim Gio. I've been with Triangle Package Machinery Company for the past uh, nine years. Um, we've been in business. Um, we're celebrating our 100th year right now in uh, the packaging industry. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And so uh, same family's on it the entire time. It's a proud family business right here in Chicago. Um, we make uh, packaging machines primarily for the food service industry um, for um Basically, like I said, the last uh, nine years, I've been charged with uh, updating their technology systems and really trying to help evolve uh, how we transact and how we do business with uh, our systems. Uh, And uh, with that, you know, when I came on board, we were using um, a very older ERP system, having had previous experience with uh, SSI. I thought it would be a great fit for uh, my company uh, with uh, you know our ideology and how we do business and then how you guys do business and my experience with you. I thought it was a good uh, pairing of the two. And uh, thankfully it has been. And uh, <laughs> Cheers really, to that. it's just been a very interesting journey. Uh, you know, this is, uh, as I've said you know, in previous podcasts, you know, we went to originally with NAV uh, and that was supposed to be a almost like a sanity check type of project they actually had another erp system picked and they were just going to look at nav just to like reassure that yep this is the right one to go with um and nav just ended up being the better product and it went from uh being you know choice number two to far and away the winner wow uh and so we've been very uh you know, positive on the product. Uh, we've uh, done several upgrades. We just finished uh, our latest upgrade to Business Central um, a few months ago. Uh, and, you know, like every upgrade, they have their their hurdles. But, I mean, for the most part, it's it's been a very good transition. The users are adapting to it very easily. And uh, Because you moved everything right. to, from objects to extensions, right? Yes. So, yeah, that, that's always going to have some sort of hurdles and, and it takes time because it's a whole, it's basically a whole new development type of style. I mean, it's almost a new implementation. I mean, at that point, Pretty I mean, much. you're redesigning everything. And when I look at the hurdles that we came over from going from our original product of uh, MK into NAV, and then we just did this latest upgrade, I mean, there's no comparison. It was, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say this was a non event, but for the most part, it was a non event. And, uh, Really, I mean, I can credit two different uh, areas. I mean, the software is great, and it's a, it's very intuitive. Um, but I really, I mean, my my team at the office, my staff there is, you know, our end users are just amazing. Uh, they own the product, and that's really what makes 
for me, that's what makes my job a lot easier. And that's what makes it easier for us to do what we do is because when the user owns the product, it's not falling on my department or on your team to do trainings and guidances. It's mostly, okay, they know what's broken. They know what's not right. So they can come to us with, here's what's going on. Here's the workaround that we're going to do, but we need you to fix this. It's great. That makes things a lot easier. So it's um, the fact that, you know, BC now is a product that the users can take that kind of ownership of. And my, Mm -hmm. like I said, I have a great user community and they do own this product. I mean, they know it inside and out. And I I, I love that about it. So that's, that's great. It's very approachable, the product. So I do love that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, I think that's the number one factor in a successful deployment really of any software, but especially ERP is that the, the users embrace it and take ownership of it and uh, understand it, learn it and yeah, yeah uh, make sure that it's working you know, and the users on their team know what they're doing and how to do what they need to do. I'm glad you said it because, you know, you, you hear a lot of stories where a lot of companies just want the user to just press one button and or push one, one, you know, digital button, not know anything that's going on, why they're doing it or, or anything like that. Right. So when something happens or, or they, or, or they're, the way of doing it changes a little bit. Everybody gets flustered and and, and upset. And maybe that happened when you guys went from the green screen nav or whatever because it changed. Because there was a lot right. of road activity. I mean, the person didn't know what they were doing, but I, they know if I hit, you know, control K, you know, exactly. that it does this and that's what I need to do. Now the end users know exactly what they're doing. And what's really good about that, though, too, is they know the process behind it. So what that's allowed us to do is evolve the process. And we've actually pushed all of our systems to... Um, you know, I'm not gonna say the brink, but we've we've had to upgrade because there's a necessity to upgrade because we've pushed it because my and when I it's not just my department saying, well, to stay in compliance, we need to upgrade. It's operations coming yeah. to me and you know saying, hey, we've maxed out. What can we do now? Well, guess what? The latest version has this in there. Perfect. Let's schedule that to get in here. Those are the types of things that I really like to see. And that's where that ownership in the system really comes into play as they're driving the need to upgrade, yeah. not just calendar here. And I'm like, well, we got to stay in compliance. So right. let's upgrade, fellas. Right. They're giving you very thoughtful, insightful feedback, which in turn helps you to choose different products and different things, whatever, which makes their job easier. And ultimately, the company becomes more productive. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, kind of a, I kind of think about this, your whole uh, journey, like you mentioned, as like a, a mini, a microcosm of of a similar analogy would be the Godfather trilogy. If you've ever watched uh, the, you know, the Godfather, which shows the Corleone family over over decades, right? This is not quite decades, and it's it's not quite as dramatic, right? Um, as as the as the smooth films, but <laughs> but basically, you know, we go we go way back four years ago. You were running NAV 2016, and talk about you know how do we get from here to there, and it was like a it's been a multi step journey right. to get there, right? So first, let's go to uh, BC 13, 14, right in that range. Right. Uh, let's let's take advantage of a lot of that new technology that's out there, but still have the objects. Then next step, let's get away from all the objects and get into full extensions. Still on premise though. Right. Right. So right? <laughs> there's a the lot of investment word. in that. Um, and it's it's something that I, I definitely want to see us move into uh, going into a full cloud solution. Right now we're doing um, uh, private cloud. Uh, but eventually I would love to go into um, a full hosted solution. Um, right now, the only thing that's holding me back is we still do have, uh, we have our inherent PLM system that I need to tie into. I need to make sure that that's always uh, working with this. Uh, but ideally for my department, I mean, I, I need us to evolve with it. And I really don't want to have us be the hindrance in the business moving forward. So, I mean, Technology is continuing to move and my department has to evolve as well. So natural evolution is going to be that I, you know, I'm going to put this into the cloud at some point and and a hosted cloud. And I'm actually a big proponent of cloud, just not for this yet. Yeah, I think last time we talked, you cloud was obviously more more newer. And I think you had some some drawbacks on the security of cloud back then. How do you feel about cloud security now overall are you okay with it do you trust it do you think you can add to the back end of it or whatever with with mfa and everything to to keep it more secure 
I think that security and cyber threats are always, it's, it's an evolving thing. So you're never really going to get in front of, I mean, I shouldn't say never going to get in front of it, but you're always going to have to evolve with it and, you know, hope for the best. I mean, you're going to put best practices in. I think really, I mean, a good remediation plan is, you know, one of your best tools. I mean, it's going to happen. If they're really right. targeting you, right. it's going to happen. What do you do to minimize the damage and things like that? Um, as far as, you know, the security of going to a cloud service, I mean, they have 24-7 monitoring. I mean, that's all, uh, you know, things that I'm not going to have the ability or the resources to pay for with a company of our size. So it, it has it's a lot of advantages. Um, you know, and I think it's also, don't forget though too, like I mentioned before, I'm a 100-year-old company. and yeah. I have to baby step this in though too. And to Ken's point, this is a journey. I mean, it's hard enough to, you know, explain virtualization, you know, to people where they're used to seeing, we bought a new server and there it is. Or I'm buying, you know, this and I'm like, okay, I spun up a new server. Where is it? I'm pointing <laughs> at a rack and I'm like, okay, see that little, see all those machines there? It's somewhere in that. <laughs> and, you know, I have to also be mindful of, you know, the ownership and, you know, keeping them comfortable with what we're doing. So, uh, making sure that this is something that they're comfortable with is, hey, do you like the idea of this not being here? Um, and th th I have to say they're extraordinarily supportive of of me and my department and some of the changes that we're putting in place. But I also have to be respectful of them and just be like, okay, yeah, too much too soon is this, you know, you can't just go from, you know, metal servers to all of a sudden it's somewhere in, my, in the ether in Microsoft's right. cloud. Right, right. They do still like the idea, and I still like the idea of saying, okay, it's in the cloud, but it's our cloud. It's at, you know our hosting company and mm -hmm. at some point they'll go away. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the trend, right? With, with most companies that are using single uh, service cloud, whatever you want to call it, private cloud. I think a lot of them are going to end up going away from it just because, I mean, there's more fees associated with it, with it too. Which ones uh, with, well, so right now private cloud, when originally when I looked at like, the SaaS portion of Azure, it was actually cost prohibitive, but now it's actually starting to level out and, so that's another factor in all of this is that um, I also have to be mindful of the cost. I mean, I, that's, Absolutely. that's a huge portion of it. Um, so from my point of view, it's starting to get to that point where in another two or three years, it's going to be more beneficial for me to be in Microsoft's cloud than it is to be in my own private cloud. Yeah. So, yeah, it's getting there. It's on the way. Right. Yeah, we're pretty close. And I think, yeah. and you know, the big, the big, uh, like, I guess what 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 puts it what puts that if you do a cost benefit analysis and you're looking at the annual ROI for on-premise versus cloud, for me the big thing that now is kind of tipped it towards online online version that Microsoft's hosting is the monthly updates. Right. So the fact that not only are, not only the 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 auto integration with Office products and everything mm -hmm. like that, but those monthly updates where you're staying current on the latest release always right we see like think about the upgrade project that you went through right? right that doesn't that won't exist anymore yeah oh and that's right and, so yeah we that talked about is that. the that's the and it's kind of hard to quantify the dollars right of what what does that cost i mean you can quantify your your outsourced uh you know yes. upgrade services but there's also internal cost oh, yeah. for people to test and train on the new thing and maybe a learning curve on something new, right? So if you you know remove all, add all that in, oh, yeah. and now that that BC online cost with no infrastructure, not worrying about backups or any of that stuff, um, it's it, that's where it's kind of pushed that over the top. Oh, most definitely. I've had that conversation with our. Uh, our ownership, I know specifically uh, my boss, uh, Brian, and I have spoken about that. And, you know, I said this, I, I mentioned to him, I go, this is going to be the last heavy lifting upgrade that we do. Like, this is the last one that's going to look this bad. I go, next time we're going to just upgrade and it's going to go in the cloud. And we're primed for that now. Mm -hmm. So this poised us for that that leap. And Absolutely. really one of the biggest things, and I've said this, you know, since I came on board with uh, Triangle, is Triangle owns the technology. They own the you know the data that this is theirs i'm the custodian of it uh and really what i need to always make sure that i'm doing is putting it in a position where i'm never um, holding it hostage from right. the company and that's one of the biggest things that uh I, I always try to do and 
thankfully, I mean, I, uh, I can say that, you know, Brian and also the rest of the, you know, the Muscat family puts that kind of trust in me. So I do enjoy that they uh, give me that, that, uh, that confidence and yeah, that confidence and that leeway. But, you know, I've, I have to build the trust with them, but at the same time, I also want to make sure that I'm putting them in a position that in the future, I'm not holding on to something just right. to keep my, you know, my job is going to evolve. Yeah, so absolutely. put that, you know, move that out, do what it's supposed to do. But it's got to be the right time. And I, like I said, I, I, in the next few years, it will be the right time for us. The other thing I have to consider, though, is I mean, I've done two upgrades since I've had this. I mean, the product's eight years old with me. Um, Going back to that. Yeah, you know, that. you know, we bought the license. So it's one of those things, of, you know, you kind of. Yeah, you know, we've had the licenses for eight years, you know, because I'm giving them up, essentially, when I go into the SAS model. So, I mean. Yeah, you'll, you'll get uh, the. Uh, I mean, yeah. There's uh, just for you, for for all the for the listeners' uh, perspective. When you're when you're on a, a on premise perpetual license, mm -hmm. um, when you go through your annual enhancement plan renewal, if you're on assuming you're active on the enhancement plan, uh, instead of paying the annual now it's eighteen percent of the value per year, you can uh, use the bridge to the cloud two promo or i think there's a new promo they're coming out now in 2024 which is basically the same thing mm. which will give you a 40 percent discount on all of your subscription licenses and then you pay monthly right then starting going forward for three years mm -hmm. with a 40 percent discount so that is the kind of to encourage people right to transition and then yeah after the three-year period you it's the you know the standard you know price and that that that's a huge you know thing to tell somebody to give up i mean really i'm asking them at some point in time to give up ownership of a perpetual license and go yeah. into a monthly fee um but the the reality of it is and once again i mean they're very supportive of this as well is that they get that we're also going to always pay the enhancement fee so it's never like i'm going to i just own it no, we're always going to be paying something. And at a certain point, I think we're, we can justify, okay, we've had this product for 10 years. We got our money's worth out of the licenses. It's mm -hmm. something we can transition into now, but it's just being mindful of those things. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I look at it as, as, as a positive. If you don't have to pay an enhancement fee anymore, but, but like you said, you don't technically own the, the licenses, right. but I've never heard of a story where Microsoft is like, Hey, no, <laughs> you know, we no, don't. They're like not going you. anywhere. For we don't like you. Yeah, <laughs> we're taking the licenses away. Yeah, so, so that's 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 an interesting. Uh, so what, I guess my next question for you is, and I don't know how much you're involved with extensions and whatnot, but what are your thoughts on extensions as opposed to objects? Do you like being able to um, add different apps and extensions to Business Central as, as opposed to having somebody develop and build those type of things into into Business Central? Um, I do. I do. And it's going to make upgrades a lot easier as we go forward. I mean, and I think the, so when we did our last upgrade in 2019, we had started to do a lot of our conversions into extensions. So a lot of that stuff came over very easily into the whole system. It was the legacy stuff that we did on our initial installation that we've had, you know, some hurdles with, but you know, I also think that some of the, that might not have been the worst thing because it really made us rethink some of our processes. And then also we we eliminated some of it. I was going to say, were you able to go through and kind of get rid of the stuff that wasn't being used a lot? We did. We did. And, you know, there was a couple of, why do we do this? <laughs> yeah, that's not standard. I mean, we sometimes you forget that it wasn't part of right. the out-of-the-box solution. So it, it really made us re-question some of the things that we were doing. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I, I, I can't complain about extensions. I mean, it, those parts came in beautifully. Yes. It's, you know, the stuff that all needed to be rewritten in a whole new format. That, yeah. Yeah. You're going, yeah. From CAL to AO language and everything, yeah. So that made it a little more interesting, but I like extensions a lot. Yeah, and if you think about it, I mean, going from version, I think it was 13, right? Uh, Business Central version 13 to Business Central 21, mm -hmm. right? Microsoft has doubled the pace of new releases over the over the right. that period. So that's eight major releases of new features, redesigned logic and functionality that Microsoft has built into Business Central. Right. So yeah, you are there you're going to inherently get a lot of like code reengineering and redesign um, as part of that. So I think it's it's like 
we used to be on like a 12 to 18 month release cycle mm-hmm, for right. Microsoft years ago. And now since 2019, it's been twice a year. Right. And it's like, in some ways, I mean, it's great. No one's complaining that all these new features and awesome functionalities get put into Business Central, but it can at times feel like drinking through a fire hose. Yeah. Because there's so many new features that, like think, on top of each other. I think when we had Mike Morton on the podcast, I think he actually even mentioned saying, you know, it's one of the things that we were looking at is is twi- two major releases a year too much? Are we, are we releasing too many features too quickly? Can right. people keep up or whatnot? Right. But, yeah. I think the more the merrier. It, well, it's curious to see what an end user would, would think. The more the merrier or no? I think the more the merrier. Yeah. I mean, especially when it's here in that particular model where you're talking about if I were to go to the SaaS model, that's phenomenal because here I'm getting what I pay for. I'm getting all these releases all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, in my version, I mean, we're going to have to do, you know, incremental upgrades right. and things like that and schedule those. But if you're getting that kind of update and that on that frequency, then it's worth the money that you're paying for it because I'm constantly getting new features and, you know, the necessity for add-ons may go down a bit because it's starting to turn into uh, standard functionality. Right. Right. Um, you know, and going back to what I, like I said, I'll always credit my end users as being, you know, the driving force behind what we do. They're the ones telling me what we need to be looking at and Hey, you know, what is there, something that does X, Y, and Z, or sometimes they would come to me and say, hey, I saw this out there. I love that, you know, they're in chat rooms with people in other countries, you know, finding out how to fix problems <laughs> and things like that. I mean, it's, it, awesome. it's really a good uh, uh, feeling when that when they're doing that type of ownership of it and they're pushing the system. Well, it, it's really good though that you guys give, you guys empower the employees to do mm-hmm. that type of thing, right? That That's when the creativity happens and I guess the magic, so-called magic can happen. I'm yeah. curious. Um, yeah, I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, no, please. Well, is there anything you'd like to see as standard functionality in Business Central that is not standard functionality? Ooh. Like, is there anything you'd want out of the box? Like, you know, maybe one or two things. I don't know if the, if you have anything off the top of your head. One that is a huge portion for what we do, and, you know, we spoke about a little bit earlier, is uh, the uh, jobs module that we use there. That would be something that, because uh, all of our uh, uh, machines are projects. So yeah. it's a long uh, project cycle with, you know, uh, hundreds of steps in between it. And so having something that could uh, manage that, and we do have an add-on for it, but it's yeah. seeing something that's more um, uh, a standard feature in Business Central would be a huge win for us. I think that would be something I'd love to see. Interesting. Um, I mean, outside of that, I mean, I think a yeah, lot I'm of sure every company are good, different yeah. for everybody, yeah. You know, I mean, there's just certain jobs. Yeah, that, scheduling. But what I do, yeah, the jobs and, the, you know, some type of visual scheduling to manage those jobs, you know, so that that would be a huge part of it. So, some, you know, we call it a job, I mean, but basically a project manager built into yeah. into Business Central, I think, would be a big win for a company like mine. So if you could go back in time, right, to, let's say, 2016, 2015. Okay. Would you do anything different like uh, i i'm not very familiar with how you guys implemented the software in 2015 maybe you had all these customizations and everything thrown in at once or maybe you kind of just had it out of the box and then built on it slowly is there something you would do differently would you do it anyway um i don't know that we could have done it any differently i mean i think you know hindsight's always 2020 but i think in fairness i think as an it person you know i could say in an arrogant fashion like oh, i would have done it this way this way this way yeah but i also probably would have shut the doors <laughs> um i think what you have to do is be cognizant of the users and too much too soon is a lot i mean if i'm going from a green screen to this windows application and i'm changing their world completely well i do have to have some form of humility and say okay i have to understand that the user has to know how to navigate this so am i putting in some non-standard practices right yeah i am but also is that non-standard practice going to get the user to adapt to the system a little bit better and can i phase it out over time yes and that's really how uh we approached it so i don't know that i would have done it any differently um you know, there's things here and there that I might say, ah, I wouldn't have done that. But right. overall, as a, as a project, I think we did it the best way that we could have, uh, being mindful of the user. Um, because like I said, at the end of the day, they're the heart of what's going to drive this thing. And if they'd have hated it day one, 
I'm not here today saying how we're successful with the program. Right. They're going to reject it and it's garbage. Right. But because they had that familiarity, they were able to do it. And through their own uh, evolution, they were finding, well, there's a better way to do it. We don't have to do it that way. Oh, we should, you know, how does it, and I'll get this question. So how does NAV or no, no, BC, how does it do it out of the box like this? We should do that. Perfect. Let's yeah, do it. That's what you want to hear. And they're driving it. It's not my department taking a callous approach. If you're doing your job wrong, I'm going to tell you how to do it, yeah. even though I don't do it. Right. No. Exactly. So I think, you know, looking more coach, we, you know, we had to do it. We put in customizations that I probably wouldn't have put in as a, as you know, a person in IT, but as a person who's trying to make sure that the users are happy and that we can still transact and get better user adaptation into the system. We did it the right way. Yeah, that's awesome. Sounds like very, very user focused. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I have too many more questions for Jim. How about you, Ken? Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, 2024, right, is right around the corner now. Yes. So okay. the dust is going to settle on the upgrade and um, cloud upgrade in four months. We got some to talk about in December. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, you know, we talked about like some process reengineering. Yes optimization and, and things like that um maybe some apps uh some new new or different apps to improve certain functions but uh maybe next year at this time will you be running on business central online or is that a bridge too far right now yes that's a right now i think it's a bridge too far yeah. <laughs> so i was gonna say maybe yeah. the 2025 podcast will all I'm, I'm asking for our fans i'm not well, i'm not asking for <laughs> now i think uh, honestly i i think it i i don't can't say for sure that that would would happen next year yeah. um but i wouldn't be opposed to it and i don't know that anybody uh on my team would be opposed to it and i think it really kind of comes down to one of the things that we did notice though and i will say this is with this upgrade, we did see a lot of cases where some things took longer because I was on premise. And I can see that that's going to be the shift. And that's something that I, I'm trying to be cognizant of as well is that, oh, well, we have this. And yes, it is for your version, but the version that is in the full cloud version is, is about a 10 minute install. And this yeah. is going to be this much. So yeah. they're going to your point, though, yeah. of, of cost. Those are things that I'm going to have to factor into this. And when I present this to, you know, our CFO and uh, the ownership, I'm going to say, like, look, this is where we're at. We have to look at this as an option because this is what it's going to cost us to keep it as a on-premise perpetual license. Where if I do this, I get this back and we can get these are the advantages. Yeah. So I yeah. can't say for sure. I can say for sure by 2025, <laughs> but I can't. Yeah. Or might, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, the yeah. And I think. um it, it, I've been saying for years, I, I don't think like on-premise is going away. On-premise is still going to be there. But what you're, what, what you're going to see is just it's just going to be so much more compelling. Yes. To be in the online version that it, it you you just naturally select towards that when, you, when you're doing an upgrade, right? And oh, I yeah. think you do have to be 100% cloud ready, which... So now, when, if if you're in version 21, you're fully extension, right? So so in theory, all that works with BC Online. Integrations is another piece that people have to consider to make sure that any like direct SQL ODBC integrations that you have or direct back 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 database, you know, connections, those have to be re right. redesigned through like APIs or web services. But once you do that, then you basically can do a uh, you know, create a business central online tenant and migrate that on-premise environment up into BC online mm -hmm. and see how it works, see how it looks, see how it reacts. Um, so you can do that. It's kind of a easy way to check it out without having to pull the trigger on a, on a full go live. So I think there's, you know, there's, there's an opportunity to yeah. test that maybe, yeah. maybe during 2024 to see if it's a viable option for, for the following year. And that is actually one of our goals for next year is with this environment. And, you know, we had talked about it, um, you know, with your team is that capability to have, for lack of a better term, that sandbox environment that I could start to build in those types of apps. And really it turns into what we, like I said, I want to have it be a non-event. I want to just come in one day and say, okay, guys, you know, September 15th, we're switching over to BC Online 100%. It's done. The interface is the same. I really don't want the user to say anything. 
we did we switched yeah. yes I, I really don't want them to notice and I, I think microsoft as well as other erp companies have been pretty upfront about everything saying that they're cloud software companies right that's yeah. what they are first they're not they're not going to push on-premise anymore it's all cloud so to your point it's it's the way of the future well and the scalability of it is just i, oh, I mean yeah the, the that's just something that I'm not going to be able to uh, keep up with it with an on-premise solution. I mean, so I think once we can get some of the other systems that I tie into, you know, I mentioned my PLM system, uh, product lifecycle management system. So we use one called Eris, which all of my uh, drawings are done in. So that's something that I have to be very mindful of because we're, we build custom machines. So for me to not have that very core piece of software right, working, right. that would once again be that, detrimental. Yeah. But now I have the leisure of being able to pilot it in this sandbox environment and build this stuff as Ken is mentioning, and we can start doing test pushes. And then one day everyone's just gonna come in and go, we're on the new one, guys. And that's it'll be nice. It'll be nice. Yeah. And just think of the AI features you'll get with a newer version of Business Central. <laughs> Copilot? Copilot, absolutely. So I think it's time to get into our AI uh segment right yeah nice segue michael yeah. well he, he said pilot and it's you know maybe think of copilot yeah, you're on your game yeah it's eggnog <laughs> it's got rid of the brain fog <laughs> so uh does anybody see anything new about it jim what is what is your your take on ai i guess are you for ai are you against ai i'm for ai um, I think it's a. Is there, it's, it's, an all, it's an all or nothing option. You get <laughs> it really is. It's you, yes, you, all or nothing. You, you are. You are no, you, in, in or, or out. out. Yeah, you can't. You can't be. You can't be in between. Yeah. I like no, certain things. There is no gray area right. here. Yeah. Um, no, I'm actually for AI because I think that it it can take a lot of the. The idea is that we want our users to grow um, and do more advanced things. Well, the only way that we can do that is to take some of the. Uh, menial tests and wrote procedures away from them. Um, and what keeps that from happening is sometimes there's a decision-making chain that is just beyond a standard if-then that right. Right, the computer can do. So if I can introduce something that might be able to make that logical decision and take a little bit more work away from them and have them doing even more value-added things, I think it's a phenomenal tool. Does it scare you at all with your background in, in, in information systems and security and whatnot? Are you, are you worried about the potential of I don't know, AI overtaking everything? No. Um, and the reason I say that isn't, I mentioned it when we were speaking earlier, is that as a, you know, as human beings, we evolve to keep up with technology. So we're always, you know, I mean, as I was mentioning, you know, when I was a kid, my parents couldn't change the, the clock on the VCR. Now they have, you know, iPads and iPhones right. and everything like that. And, you know, I just think about, you know, the other one I always laugh at was when I first got in IT, I was working on a help desk and people would always tell me how, oh my God, my kid is phenomenal with computers. They changed my background to be, you know, our vacation. Wow, Microsoft's not pulling that kid in, huh? <laughs> and, you know, that was like a high watermark for, now think about it. Somebody told you they're really like, great. Yeah, who's second like, grader? You know, and what I'm getting at is that we caught up with technology and we stay, we stay, you know, either parallel to it or even in front of it. So, I mean, I think that as AI evolves, we're going to stay ahead of it. Just like we always have with technology. Um, it could be used for bad yeah. things, but so can anything else. When it comes to security, I think we need it because, you know, there's going to be somebody using AI to launch a cyber attack on me. Well, I want something AI preventing that cyber attack yeah. on me where I might not have to have that 24-7 monitor. I want a computer doing it, thinking quicker and making decisions faster than we might be able to. Yeah. So there's good and bad and everything in the world. Yeah. I think what worries me the most, and, and maybe you too, Ken, is that, you know, AI is programmed by somebody, someone, or some business, right? So they're inherently putting their values and thoughts and whatever and biases by whether intentional or unintentional right in the ai and then that that kind of worries me how's that any different than a human we're brought up a certain way we're taught certain things people well parents teach us things they, they we're we're guided by what are uh, the environment that we're brought up in and the neighborhoods that we're brought in so we're getting input and we're reacting to that and our interactions in society are based off of how we were raised or quote-unquote programmed Right, but just not at that same scale. So if I ask my parents something, I, I get an answer, right? And then if I go ask a teacher or something, I, I get an answer. But I think most people are going to defer to AI, and the answer is going to be the same 
for everybody with somebody's bias, though. Is it, though? I mean, we're saying I, that it's operating yeah. off of a central collective brain. I mean, well, yeah, different, I, different, you know, I mean, everyone's going to have their well, own version of AI. Well, or, yeah, but program. are they? Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, but, you know, we I think we talked about this uh, uh, early on. By the way, where's uh, do we have snacks? Isn't this supposed oh, to be AI? Sorry. See, if AI would have done this, we would have already known that that's we part of the program. Snack, <laughs> I would be eating a snack right now yes. if it were for that. Okay, so we got some popcorn. We're gonna nosh on here uh, while we. So 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 here's an example. So so years ago, one of the earliest versions of AI that they created, they were using it to approve um, real estate mortgages loans. Okay. And what they found was they had that that the it, that the AI was looking at the data. And it was making decisions based on the data, but those decisions ended up being unfavorable towards certain groups of people. Sure. So they changed the code right. and, 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 and altered the results. Mm -hmm. So is that really AI? Or to your point, it's someone putting their biases and say, well, we, we can't have it doing this or saying this. Okay. Making a, a decision on what's right or not right. So, but to his point, people will trust it as the ultimate source of truth because how could it be wrong? It's 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 AI. It's using all of the information in the world to come up with this answer. It was right. Well, it, but but with some with what bias is in there. And I think that's part of my my biggest hang up on it is mm -hmm. transparency. What are the sources that were used or what um, was altered potentially yeah. about that? And I think right now, no one knows. So could it be the same sources that work at college admission boards that <laughs> pick and choose the students that get in? And yeah. so there's, and yeah, that's right. Humans have biases. So of do course. Yours. So <clears throat> that that biased human is programming a computer, just like they're programming their employees. Right. The computer, I can turn that off or the employee gets fired. Yeah, but the computer is also at a scale. They can reach a scale that the, the college admissions people can't, right? They're only affecting that college for admissions, only biased towards those people. Now those biases are reaching millions and millions of people. But I'm training, but I'm instilling a, a value or a bias in you that you're going to take into another job and you're going to instill that bias into those people, potentially. We're talking about a lot of theoreticals, but I'm looking at it from the point of view of it's a it's if we're if we're looking at input, it's a programming. Mm -hmm. One of the things I like better about a computer is I can pull up code and see you're doing this. I could ask a human and they're going to say, no, I'm not doing that. Right. A human has the ability to lie to me. A computer is going to give me the I'm going to look in there and see what, what it's telling me. Well, with the AI that we've seen so far, like with chat, GTP, GPT or bar. Right. You 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 can't see the code. Well, you don't know what it's looking at and how it came up with its answers. That's my that's my problem. It. It's that transparency. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the, yeah, but but who and where and what what you know what did they put in there? You know, exactly. You, we don't know. And, I, and that's I think where the, the the scariest thing is is and when I look at it is that we program human beings to do good and bad things based off of environment. We're going to teach the computer to do the exact same thing. The difference is I can unplug a computer way easier or reprogram a computer way easier than I can unplug a human. That's you know. what if I could if, if I, I could recap, recap um what I'm hearing <laughs> is just you know new tools, same old shit. Pretty much. <laughs> we shit. took away we took away here. We took away what I mentioned before, the if that. So we took if then we just brought it to the next level of there's a little more decision making process in there. So we're Graduating a human out of a, I don't want to say remedial task, because I don't want to minimize, you know, some, some of these things that it's going to be doing are very right. important, like mortgages, like potentially college admissions and things like that. But at the end of the day, we're hopefully instilling it and programming it with the right values and the right algorithm, that's if you would. Important. And that's the thing. Is, but it's no scarier than your program from something, you know, with your, with what you grew up. And then you go into a job and they might be telling you something different, but you're... You might not agree with that. So you're going to do it your way, or maybe you do agree with it and you're going to do it the way yeah. the college does it. So there's multiple biases that can come into play, whereas a computer, it is going to just follow the one, if there's a bias to be had to it, it's going to follow the one bias that we programmed it with. 
And I don't know that we're ever going to get to this central collective, you know, Skynet version of where it's all coming from a central intelligence. Because first off, there's no, there's not money in it for a company like Microsoft to pair with Google to pair with this one. And they all have one collective thing. They're all going to have their own version of AI. And it's going to keep, because that's really where the money is. Right. Unless government regulates it. So you're going to get two different answers. So I'm going to get two different biases, um, which but that, I think that well, keeps it honest. My, my, my general assumption, though, is that they're investing billions of dollars into AI to crush everyone else. Sure. So that they become the number one AI you mean Microsoft? Stores. Whether Google, company? Microsoft, I mean, oh, yeah, Amazon, or yeah. um, I don't know what, what how many other companies are taking right. on so that type up, of investment. Right, the winner's going to end up being like a Google search where Google dominates the searching of, of the internet. Exactly, yeah, 90%, right? right? Or whatever search engine uh, market share. Right. Uh, you, is it, you know, someone's trying to capture that that market share. So let's look at it like this though too, is that, I mean, we're all, we're all making references to, you know, the companies like Microsoft and the Amazons and the Googles of the world. Let's keep in perspective this though. Go back 40 years. Who was the name in computing? It's IBM. Oh, IBM. Hey, here, you even, you had a pause because you had to think about that. If you'd asked that question in the eighties, it would have been IBM. Yeah. Obviously got search engines. Look, these are companies that were behemoths in the industry who would have ever thought that an ibm would have been dethroned yeah are they even a player in the game i mean they, they play still in this they've got this watson world, right? i mean what is yeah. watson <laughs> ai right. years ago i mean it, so what i'm getting at it really look at it from that point of view to me it's we're, we're afraid of a lot of things but the world evolves and puts things in check even they they own the computer industry for how many years and then they fell yeah. but does it worry worry you at all that so many big name tech guys, you know, Elon, all these the Elon Musk's of the world and whatever signed that that thing saying how talking about how dangerous AI could potentially be. Sure. Anything could be dangerous. I have a car. It's very dangerous if I have too many drinks and I go, you know, yeah. take a drive. I mean, any tool that we use that can better humanity could also hurt humanity. So right. I don't think that we, you know, I think it has to be regulated. I think that just like anything else in the world, we have to have checks and balances on it, you know, but there's been no great invention that's ever come out of this world that didn't have a dark side, yeah. you know? I mean, it's, it's the unfortunate thing is that going back to inherent biases, we will find, the human race, we will always find the way to use something good for something bad. Yeah, I mean, for example, we, we Ken and I, I think we asked it the question, something about Joe Biden, and it gave like this great, wonderful, answer and then we asked it about donald trump same exact question and it was completely negative towards no it wouldn't do it it wouldn't do it it wouldn't even do it right so what it was yeah okay so it wouldn't even do it i mean that's that's a bias yeah i know but that's it's kind of scary though sure but i mean and i agree with it but that's a miss at least with the google if you ask those questions you're getting i mean you, you fall into the algorithm well you fall into the algorithm but you get well, multiple yeah. sources yeah. to actually decipher and choose what you want yeah, to read you just said it's a misuse of the tool right but it's pervasive already and it's not and it's not even gone down that rabbit hole but you know, at this point i can go with the same thing with social media i mean here i love the idea of social media because it prevents a lot of you know lets me stay in contact with high school friends that i haven't seen in years and see how they're doing wishing friends happy birthday saying that you know this is going on it's great but then there's the thing where kids are getting cyber bullied on it. And, yeah. you know, you took something that was once something that might happen in school a little bit, but now you've actually taken it. And now they're taking pictures of kids and they're spreading it out and they're torturing them with different things. I mean, so you could take a good tool and ruin it. Yeah. And there's missing. I mean, now we're talking about misinformation. Think about how much misinformation was spread via Facebook and uh, oh, all sure. the other search engines. How much information was suppressed? Yeah. I mean, it's an, it's it's a it's a very bad byproduct of technology um and it's always going to fall victim to um who the ruling classes i mean here i'm just going to say this is you know where you're talking about a biased now if you were to ask you know i would grew up um you know very proud of today in america i grew up hearing about columbus and i have nothing but great things to say about columbus because i was always taught good things about him but if i ask a native american they're going to have a very different opinion of Columbus. I don't have to agree with it. And they don't have to agree with me. We're going to have a difference of opinion. I was taught a certain way. And it was taught as 
Now, it was taught as fact, and this is history, mm -hmm. and I believe that, and I'm not saying that I don't believe that, but a Native American was taught their facts and their history, who's right and who's wrong. Gotcha. So that's kind of what I'm getting at, is that I, I see those fears, but that that's text, mm -hmm. and there's books that are pervasive throughout history that they're going to look at and go, this is all garbage. You know, they're going to tell you how, you know, not they, but other people will tell you how George Washington was, you know, bad for, you know, reasons X, Y, and Z. But then other people are going to have different books about him. So that's in writing. So now we're just replacing that with a computer. So I, I think those facts are always there. Yeah. And I think as long as someone's willing to take the time to do that research, right. that will still be there. But to your point, no. the scale yeah. of the biases being built in and, and the fact that it may only give one of those answers or one of those perspectives to everyone now could have a, a big impact. But let's talk about a positive result of AI yes. on the Business Central community. Wait, OK, let's do it. And what that is centralq.ai. It's a website. So it's uh, centralq.ai. Uh, it's a website created. I, I'm just getting familiar with it a little bit um, recently, but uh, it's a website written by, uh, created by Dimitri Katzen, who is a Microsoft MVP. And what he did was created a uh, central search tool specifically related to Business Central. So, and on the top it says AI search fueled by the collective knowledge of the Business Central community. And here's what I really like about it. If you click on collective knowledge, it actually shows you the sources mm. of data that this uses to return its, yeah. its results. It's got about 50 to 75 different sources. So yeah, 35,000 pages, 15,000 of which are learn.microsoft.com, YouTube, GitHub, Twitter, and then a slew of other websites, you know, uh, view hundreds of pages uh, on there. So, so I like that, that's transparency. Exactly. So kind of see where it possibly is getting these answers. Right, from. so when you type in a search question or whatever, it'll give you the answer and it'll give you the reference points from where it got the answer. Right, yeah, now that's fantastic. Yes. And that's a great use of AI. Yes. Which is, it, it's a targeted focused, um, right? So well, into Google and Bing's point, uh, you know, they've actually started doing that as well. When you type in a search, if you've got their newer browser, you type in something, it'll answer your question and then give you references as to where they found that answer from yeah. as opposed to chat gpt where it just tells you an answer which i'm glad we're getting back to the reference point of view because I, I that's something that i do find funny with you know i have uh two kids in school right now and it's funny to me when i was at school and as probably everyone in this room was you had to cite all your references when you absolutely now everyone's google sits or they do this and it, it's not as driven off of proving those references and forcing a kid to go to the library and grab multiple books and things like that that could have different perspectives. So I think the fact that this AI tool would actually show you these are my reference points. Right. And it's giving you that transparency and you're understanding it. Now, my question is, can you customize it to say, I don't like what this one, or, you know, maybe the results from this one are, I don't find these to be accurate results. Maybe excluding certain ones would be a nice feature as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would be a nice feature that you could choose. Yeah, but I, I think I've, I've seen where it's giving like three to four different references and answers for for each one so it's not it's not bad i uh i like it a lot that's great uh, yeah but i i don't know though is it just going to dumb down society is nobody gonna have to know anything anymore <laughs> right like you know the thought of what calculators you can ever have to add and i mean yeah you really don't have to know things do you really need to know your multiplication tables anymore well even the tests in school my kids are both in high school they use calculators take their tests Oh, do they? Oh, yeah. That was a no-no. We are in school. It's not a no-no now. They're like special graphic calculators, and that they're allowed yeah. them to come up with, you know. And I agree you should know those things. But I guess my question goes back to another order to take that to a job. And this would be a good argument for business, is if there's certain activities that a computer can do that I could actually get more productivity out of my end user by, by taking simple activities that they can do. Now, 
what I have found in my in my experience with this, and is you know even at this job or any other job, is when we go and do that with a company, and take away the I'm not going to call them menial tasks, but the lower mm-hmm. level tasks that the computer can do, we advance the user. Yeah, they're actually thinking at a higher level now because we're forcing them into thinking at a higher level because now they're thinking we're taking away this the more simple stuff, and I'm making them think about bigger things, and while we're advancing them, hopefully, and I've seen that some of my users, their knowledge of systems and processes has improved phenomenally since we put in Business Central and we started to take, well, why did you do this? Well, no one else would. Guess what? BC or NAV will do it. Let's automate this process. Now they're doing something else and now it's pushing the system more forward because they've yeah. taken them out of that lower end. So, you know, there could be good and bad to all of it. Let me give you a quote here by Bill Gates. Bill Gates, this is from uh, the Gates Notes Insider Edition newsletter. And Bill says that five years from now, you won't have to use different apps for different tasks. You'll simply tell your device in everyday language what you want to do, whether it's drafting a document, making a spreadsheet, scheduling a meeting, analyzing data, sending an email, or even buying movie tickets. Um, so depending on how much information you choose to share with it, you'll be able to respond. It'll be able to respond to you in whatever language. That is interesting, right? Because I mean, to me, that is going to affect the workforce. Right, because you're not, that's essentially going to take the jobs of one person can tell multiple machines to do certain things as opposed to having five people do it separately. To me, that's that's going to be huge. Now, do you guys like that idea where you just come in and say, "Hey, open up Business Central, I don't know, create GL entry, <laughs> whatever." I'm not worried add this about dimension. That. I'm not mode. worried about that right now. Yeah, do you see it actually happening? Not much. Well, in 2024, I don't know if you know this, Business Central for AI is going to have a a uh, chatbot, an artificially an AI enhanced chatbot in yeah. Business Central. Yeah, I think so. It might be, you know, maybe to an old dog. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's really repurposing. I mean, here, so by that it. analogy, should I have not? Should we have not pushed forward with the car because we were going to put all those horse and buggy people out of business? No, they're taught a new technology. They're taught something. Oh, I, I agree. We have to evolve people and teach them higher level skills. Yeah. So you were making, you know, wrong wheels yeah. out of wood. Now we're going to get you something. But again, it's at the scale that it could be at, though, is right. They're saying something like. I don't know, potentially in 20 years, AI could do the job of like 400 million people. Yeah, sure. Well, <laughs> listen, let me let me let me say 400. I'm, I'm not worried about here's what I'm worried about today is. I entered a question into um, Central, Central Q. Q at AI. Similar, did this? I did this. Did this test back? Uh, Chat GPT. Right. So my my question is, what is the inventory receivables date field on the item card due? Okay. It gave me a beautiful answer. As a matter of fact, it says to set the inventory receivables date on the item card. Follow these steps. Choose the icon, enter items, and choose the link on the items page. Select the item you want to set the inventory receivables date. Choose edit. Enter the desired date. Save your changes. But. But. (laughs) That sounds great, right? Four paragraphs of beautiful text. There's only one issue. This field does not exist in (laughs) Business Central. I just made it up. There is no inventory receivables date field. It doesn't make sense. Okay. So my question is, where did it pull the information from? Maybe there's a third party. Learn.microsoft.com. Uh, yeah. But there is no field on the item card called inventory receivables date. So just tread carefully and maybe don't worry about it making your breakfast for you anytime soon. <laughs> it's gonna go viral. Everybody thinks that field's on there. <laughs> and you could you could you could do the same search. Put in any bunch of combination of words as a field, and you're gonna get some very uh, impressive. Yeah. But for result. basic things, it works well. I put in how do you well, get a sales quote? Well, but why? How, how do you trust that? Well, yeah. If you don't know how to do it, yeah. But the it goes back to the old statement we heard it earlier today: trust but verify. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, the onus does still fall on the human being to verify the data. Yeah. Hey, this isn't there. Right. Now it's corrected. So this may have saved me a couple steps by maybe I didn't have to go 
to learn.microsoft.com, find, and then in their search on what I'm looking for to find it. it. It searched through a whole variety of places, but it came up with a bullshit answer. I was say, it, made more, it wasted more of your time because now you're going to go in and try it. Right. Follow the steps and right. so, what the hell's going on. They're going to call support. Anyways, I don't <laughs> think we're going to solve this AI thing today here no. while we drink eggnog. I don't think so. No, and this is an immense thing tank from what I saw on the way in. So, I mean, I, what are you talking about? I think, you know, <laughs> well, I, for <laughs> I resemble that remark. Cheers. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's in its infantile stages. And I think that's what we have to remember. Yes. Though, too. Yep. Yeah, we're very early on. All right. So I just want to make a couple more quick points about AI and Microsoft from some things that I learned over the past month or whatever. Um, let's see here. So Microsoft has finally talked about, you know, your data and whatnot and, and how they're getting information into their AI models. So your data is your data. It is not used to train the foundation of AI models. So if you're worried about putting information into Business Central that you want other people to see and AI taking your information and information and giving it to everybody else, you do not have to worry about it. Can't possibly happen. I didn't say that. <laughs> But it does say your data is protected by the most comprehensive enterprise compliance and security controls out there. So maybe it can happen. Other than that, I got uh, Microsoft announces a custom AI chip that could compete with NVIDIA. Yeah. All right. Well, I'd like to wrap this up here with a little um, holiday themed uh, blog article uh, that I just recently posted on speakingbusinesscentral.com. So I will also have a link to it in the show notes. Um, and this is um, a Business Central end users list of New Year's resolutions. <laughs> so New Year's resolutions for a Business Central end user. Okay, let's okay. hear it. These are some possible options for people go. to consider. I resolve to learn one new thing about Business Central each week, even if it's as something as simple as a new keyboard shortcut. Feasible. Good resolution, right? Yeah, feasible. One possible. thing, learn one thing every week. Okay. Next, I, I resolve to finally stop trying to understand what the heck a dimension code is and why it is so important to those finance and accounting nerds. Yeah, it's not a good one. No. <laughs> You got to understand what a dementia code is. Okay. <laughs> these are just, these are thoughts. These are options, you know, potential. It's the brainstorming. <laughs> I resolve to create detailed user documentation or standard operating procedures that walks through the steps I use in Business Central to complete my job tasks. It's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. I resolve to stop moving items in the warehouse without also recording it in Business Central so that our bin contents will remain accurate. You don't want double the stuff? <laughs> That's a great one. That's yeah, see? For you, yeah. That's the end user talking yeah. right there. Please, That's don't one on the stop list. moving yeah. things, yes. right? All right. I resolve to spend time reviewing the Dynamics 365 release notes that describe the new features to be including in, included in upcoming versions of Business Central before each new release is deployed so I can determine if there are any changes that will benefit me in my role with the organization. I like it, but who's going to do it? These are resolutions. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, yeah it's for a, sure. It's an opportunity to start fresh. <laughs> yeah. Michael, come yeah. on. Yeah. All right. I like it. All right. I resolve to actually read the error message displayed by Business Central on my screen to determine if I can possibly resolve the issue on my own before calling the support help desk. That's ridiculous because the most of the messages. You know, I think you'd be behind that one. No, because if actually you ever, the messages are the most vague messages that ever pop up. If you ever Google, I'll go into Microsoft and type it. Use this code to find. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it does nothing. So that resolution means nothing. <laughs> All right. All right, fair enough. I resolve to share my knowledge of Business Central with other users, including other users within my organization, in online user forums, and maybe even at a user conference. That's a good one. Yeah. Good. That's why we're here. Yeah. 
That's why, yeah, exactly. That's why we're here. Yeah. I resolve next one. I resolve to stop being frustrated with the volume of GL entries generated by yeah. Business Central from within purchasing jobs and manufacturing, and will instead just accept that these entries are created for a reason and that it is a good thing that they are there. Got accepted. Yeah, I go with that. I can accept that. I resolve to learn how to create and use the web services create data set feature to pull data from Business Central into Excel or Power BI so that I can analyze the data I need in the format I need it and when I need it. It's a big one. It's good. And then I resolve to use Power Apps too. (laughs) And then last one. I resolve to listen to a shot of Business Central in a beer podcast. Because although those guys are sometimes goofy as all get out, they are mostly interested in sharing important Business Central news and information with the BC community. It's, it's okay. <laughs> no, I like, I like bias it. there. Yeah. Little bias. Yeah. But no, that's what we do, right? We share the information. That's what we're trying to do. Yes. So happy holidays. I mean, we never talk about how awesome we are as a company and that we can do everything and all the departments we have. and. <laughs> Right. So, <laughs> so, anyways, kind of a little fun, lighthearted uh, blog post for the end of the year. Maybe, maybe, maybe one or two of those. You know, you said, "Oh, who's going to do all those?" Not all <laughs> of them, but maybe one. Yeah, yeah. When you were reading me yesterday, I'm like, "There's no way one person is going to sit here and read, do all this stuff." Yeah, they be a power user. Yeah, they should get a job then. Yeah. <laughs> Hire them in a second. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us, then, right? About a wrap. Yeah. yeah. Next month we're going to be I'm going to be interviewing Ken on a on a fancy book that he wrote a few years back to see how how well that book still uh, applies to today's world. Heavy focus on implementation. Yeah, implementation. Implementing new modules, new features, and or or just Business Central altogether. Yeah. So, but with this, thank you, Jim. We appreciate you coming by for the the annual holiday tradition. Thank I hope you. To see you next year with some good updates, maybe some cloud information. Uh, no, I really appreciate you guys having me back. Like I said, it's become a great Christmas tradition and a holiday uh, holiday tradition that we do every year. Yeah. So thank you. Awesome. And, uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Take care, everybody. As we end today's podcast, we want to give a big thank you to everyone who listens, shares this podcast, and leaves us reviews. You've taken a good amount of your time out of your day, and we truly appreciate it. Thanks again. And uh, don't be afraid to email us at marketing at SOL syst.com with your tips for the podcast or maybe you'd even like to be a guest during an episode.